everyone. Welcome back to season three. My name is Sydney Lai, and this is OutSystems Decoded. What we like to do in this series is to help educate us as developers and each other to figure out what are we building for the next generation? What are we really tackling in the engineering space? I know that for OutSystems themselves, like OutSystems is really focused on building AI development on the enterprise level. So what that means is as you are creating with this IDE, it will help you focus and understand what is the next logical step in terms of your build. So it's AI suggestions, AI development, and it will be incorporated into your logic flow. So I think that's actually pretty cool. And I think that that's why in the season, we really talk about with all the other engineers, what are different types of integrations? May it be video integrations or how they become content creators or even creating a backend platform at Netflix. I got to speak with an engineer at Netflix. And so I think what's really, really fun today is that we'll be speaking with a documentation engineer at Meta. So I'm really excited. Let's jump right in with Brittany Ball. Let's go. Brittany Ball, I am so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for joining today's episode on Decoded. I am really, really glad to be here. I'm really excited. So Brittany, what is something that you completely, completely nerd out about? That would be diversity, inclusion, and content creation. I am very passionate about that. Okay. All right. So tell me, how how did you get into that? Like, What about this inclusivity and creating content for others really, what brought you there? What was that journey? Uh, I think because I'm completely like self-taught, it was really hard for me to like follow along with tutorials and, you know, documentation in the early stages of my career. And so like, it has been a passion for me to help others who have the same journey as I did break into tech, but also make sure that it's inclusive of everyone and that they don't have the same struggles that I did. So, wow. I'm, I'm really curious because it sounds like, as you just mentioned, a lot of your developer journey has been self-taught. And I think it's it's no wonder that today you are a documentation engineer. So I guess what inspired you to even get started into tech? And then what has that been journaling like just to even teach yourself? Because I think oftentimes that a lot of tech companies or startups thinks documentation is really important for the longevity of the project. But I think you are an incredible example of like, this is actually why documentation is important when you're inside access. Yeah, so... I got into tech off of survival. I started off as a single mom and I lived in a shelter with my my kid and I had to find a career that I could do that didn't require a college degree. And so I taught myself how to code in JavaScript. And from there, like I started, you know, knocking on doors and with my resume in hand and like getting into these companies. It was really hard at first because a lot of companies required bachelor's degree, but I had a few companies that took a a chance on me. And from there on, I was able to scale my career and I ended up hearing about the documentation engineering role. And I just knew that that was for me because, you know, I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy helping others. And I think this was my pathway into a company to actually help others get the same understanding and the same opportunity that was provided for me. So this is like my way in to actually help and do a good deed. 
That's absolutely incredible because I, I also think that when you are able to spread that education through documentation, content, as you mentioned, it's also providing that pathway or the opportunity for access. Do you happen to remember your first access? What Do you remember what documentation it was? Do you remember what project it was? Do you remember what video it was? I mean, what did that even look like? Or even being able to acquire a computer because that itself is a means of access, right? Yeah, so my first initial point where I was like, aha, was like going to the public library and discovering lynda.com. I really, really, really enjoyed that. And the fact that I could have the this access and like it was completely free and completely nerded out. I wanted to learn all the things. I paired it with YouTube and also Twitter, you know, for my questions. So if I had questions that I was completely blocked on, I would then go to Twitter and people would respond and give me great feedback. So like I was able to put all of those things together and get ahead, get the understanding that I needed. Yeah. I think a lot of times that when we talk about engineering stacks, you have developers will say, yeah, my stack is JS or Python or whatever. But I think you just mentioned there, it's like also Twitter and YouTube is also part of your stack at this point. Yeah. It's part of your tooling, right? <laughs> yeah. And you had mentioned content, but what is that gravitation towards learning as an engineer, either through video versus even written? Like what, what are some of the difference that you see and how do you really approach it or how do you even help introduce different forms of learning? Well, when writing, I'm really, really, really aware of the fact that people have different learning styles. So when I write something, I try to incorporate all of them. I try to incorporate the videos, but I don't want my videos to be super long because some people don't have the same kind of focus. When I do my documentation, I make sure I break down everything. I don't use that too technical, you know, of jargon. And I just try to be inclusive, know, be aware of different pronouns and not use words that trigger imposter syndrome, like simple or easy, because, you know, what may be simple or easy to you may be really difficult to someone else. And using words like that can make them feel like they're not worthy or something's wrong with them. So like, I just make sure that I'm aware of all these things and want to make everyone feel like they deserve to be here. I like the way that you're thinking about this, because I think that and just in your background alone, when you're thinking about documentation, you're also thinking about in scale. While you mentioned you don't really work on documentation that's outwardly facing or marketing oriented, you do more internal. I mean, like how many people work at Meta? right? I don't even know. <laughs> yes. There's so many people all around the world. So like, uh, yeah, it's a lot, but yeah, super overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to think about that scale. So like the way you're even approaching, like, how do I, how do I serve my community? Which is like, Twitter is a great community for developers, right? So it's like, how do we serve this community? And when it comes to maybe people reaching out or even the next generation of developers, like what does the face of these developers look like? Like how are they transitioning into becoming an engineer or wanting to learn more about how to build, transcribe, educate, create content, documentation, teach yourself, teach others? What does that changing narrative look like? And how do you provide for that as well? Well, I think this new generation 
is more, I don't think it's the traditional generation. I think this is more the boot campers, the self-taught, the transitioning from theater, um, studying theater to wanting to get into tech. So like you have to like embrace these unique perspectives. You have to, you know, cater to their differences. You have to get to know them on a deeper level. I think the culture interview is to me the most important interview at this time. Not so much the technical, but I think the cultural interview that we have at these big companies is the most important because this new generation is not it's not the same as it was 13 years ago when I started. So we have to embrace change and like, you know, think about it in that aspect. So I guess what is the typical nuances or backgrounds that is suitable for documentation? What does your documentation team look like? And at also, what does documentation look like in just a team dynamic, right? So you talked a lot about team dynamics. And so I think that's actually really important to understand, like, what makes a good documentation team? I just am not quite familiar, actually. Yeah, so... My team consists of a director, a few managers, and um, we break that down into sections of the company. So like they have, you work on a different team, on a different project, and you have, so each documentation engineer has their specific focus. And like you report weekly to your manager and give, you know, progress updates and things like that. And maybe monthly or bi-monthly, we have a big meeting that consists of the director and the managers and uh, we share updates and things like that. It's uh, really broken down so that everyone has their specific focus and it's not, it's not a heavy, everyone has their specific uh, project to work on. Usually it's one dev, one documentation engineer to a project, but depending on the size of the project, we also for the different engineering teams. We also uh, hold dockathons and office hours for these teams that don't have a dedicated documentation engineer, but they need the help. We have dockathons and they can bring their docs and we will have a documentation engineer look them over and give them feedback and things that they need to, to work on. So like we basically help them help themselves. We give them feedback, we give them edits, and they go back and basically do them themselves. And does this translate over to the different teams? Like there's, I would imagine each documentation business line has their own documentation. Yeah. So everyone, um, every section of, you know, Meta has their own set of engineers that focus on one specific project or one specific area of software engineering. So we break that down into teams, you know, have engineers that only focus on a certain aspect or engineers that focus on AR, things like that. They have their specific documentation engineer. They have their specific documentation. And yeah, so I hate to say it, but engineers aren't always the greatest at documentation. So we have to 
we have to go in and help them. And yeah, it's sometimes a burden because like you can't understand what they're trying to say or you have to get them to, you know, clarify what does this mean? You know, how does this work? And we have to actually understand what they're doing in order to write about it. And so it's really challenging sometimes because, you know, everyone isn't a teacher or everyone isn't good at explaining and breaking things down. So like sometimes it comes up to us to actually go in and like read over everything and get the understanding for ourselves. Sometimes we have to do research and we have to collect metrics and it's it's a journey sometimes. Yeah. So. yeah. I hear that. It sounds like, like I'm like a parent at home. I'm yeah. a parent at work. Yeah. We got to hold their hands. I got to read people's minds now. That's exactly what it sounds like. And I think that like one of the challenges I would imagine is like also when you have a company that has been around so, for so long, right? Meta started like yesterday, but Facebook has been around forever. I mean, so Facebook Meta has been around for a long time. So how do you even upkeep just like the rules internally, right? These documentations. And and especially since you have so many employees and people come in and as you can imagine, retention of talent at a company is one of the most important things. So what does that internal documentation look like just to even get the engineers to know where the last engineer left off? It's really, really, really difficult. So we really do a lot of audits of documentation to see like what's been around and not updated for like years. And so we go in and like try to, you know, ask who is the point of contact for this documentation. If they're no longer here, who was around when this was created? And we try to get the better, a better understanding so that we can either update it or delete it. You know, so because most of the time, because technology is ever changing, sometimes the documentation is no longer relevant. So it's a lot. And because Meta is such a huge company, there are, you know, a lot of documents. So we are always, you know, auditing, always correcting, always updating. So that's like part of our like daily thing, making sure that the new engineers or the new employees have something that's updated and, you know, something that they can understand that's not outdated. What does it look like when you are dealing with legacy documentation then? I mean, you kind of just walked us through that. And I think the question and what I'm really trying to understand or the narrative that I'm trying to understand is like, I don't even know if you have like any examples of like when you're doing internal documentation for a startup versus scaling versus like legacy Right. And yeah, I'm just curious to hear what does it kind of look like around those three phases? So most of our documentation, like say if we had to go in and audit, we would if we deleted anything, it would be archived. So at any point in time, if someone researched it or they looked it up and it they it shows that they, it was deleted, they could always bring it back. So it's not it's never gone forever. It's just no longer in the internal, like, so doc engineers can see it. We can bring it back. But like, as far as engineers, if they research it, they wouldn't be able to access it. They would have to like go through a doc engineer for us to like bring it back and update it. 
gosh, you're like a little historian. I've like seen Harry Potter maybe one time, but it, I like think about, do you watch Harry Potter yourself? Yes, I read all yeah. the books. Like, oh. I'm such a, yeah, yeah. Ooh, so what house you a nerd. You Can you guess? There's a right answer for me. Mm, I would say Hufflepuff. Oh, girl. I know. I would say, like, spiritually, <laughs> the hat gave me a Gryffindor. So I'm, oh, just, wow. I'm just saying. I'm yeah, just saying. They gave me Slytherin. So. Ooh. That, that <laughs> makes sense because you're a documentation engineer. So I think that, like, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't remember where we were going with the <laughs> Harry Potter houses documentation. I don't even remember. Uh, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I think it's like, yeah, I don't I don't remember where we're going with that. I think we were talking about like just the differentiation between documentation, between startup scaling and even like, oh, it was it was like what do you remind me of is like you're so the engineering documentation engineering team being able to like call up old papers, old documentation. See, this is someone who knows nothing about Harry Potter. I was like. Isn't there those little like wrinkly humans with like, no, wrinkly things with the ears and then the nose and then they sit uh, at a bank and then they yeah. can like flip through giant books? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it now. <laughs> and then you like flip through the book yeah. and you're just like putting your finger on the book. I don't know. This is, this is a tragedy that I don't, this is... See, I, I went to Catholic school, so we weren't allowed access to Harry Potter because of witchcraft. Oh, yeah. And so due to the lack of access, I'm like uneducated as hell. So that's <laughs> that's why that's not good. But, <laughs> but I think this is also just like what I really want to transition into is really going back and focusing on like when we talk about, you know, you know what I just said, like this access in this content, like where do you think documentation and and content creation are either merging or diverging because i think similarly to you when i look at documentation even as an engineer it's kind of boring sorry guys yeah. i know you guys, it's all like it's like you guys put I a lot of work it. into it it's yeah right I it's get so it. boring and and i only reference it if i'm like okay i actually really need something but my mm -hmm. intuition is to still go like Watch a video, tutorials. go to Stack Overflow. So like, what is, oh yeah, that's a great point. I guess those are tutorials versus like documentation, which I guess documentations are supposed to be tutorials. I mean, can we, can we, can you kind of like di dissect that? Like break yeah, that down? Yeah. So I think documentation engineering is changing. A lot of people, like as far as tech, technical writing, we're evolving with the people, like so bloggers, they're really good at documenting, especially tech bloggers. They're really good at documenting their journey, you know, their pathway into tech or what was hard for them. And I think those are the ones that should be applying for these jobs because they break it down and they make it interesting and they make it fun. It's the, I don't want to say the older generation that if I'm honest, like it's true, like, like super duper technical writing is boring. 
you have to put some personality into it. You have to include videos, you know, you have to like spice it up and make it fun because like you, you'll lose your audience and you don't want to lose your audience. You want to keep them engaged. So I think that this newer generation will be great technical writers because of the blogs, because of the Twitter, because of the, all the things. Like I think this new generation is going to take documentation engineering to the next level because they have the passion for it and it's really different from how it was taught or how it was wrote 20 years ago. It's not the same. And I think this newer generation gets it and they understand that we need to make it more exciting. So I I think this new generation is really going to succeed in like technical writing and even software engineers because they're more empathetic. They have the empathy. And I think in order to be a great manager, no matter what, like if you're an engineer or a document, you know, documenting things, I think empathy is the what makes great managers. And I think this younger generation gets it. Yeah, I think that's really, really well said because you're absolutely right. When we look at documentation, it's also about grasping you, right? Think about if you are a new SDK that just came out for Meta or Meta is launching a new product, you know, maybe it's your own programming language. I don't know, you know, whatever it is, your own framework, right? It's boring and I can't even read it, then we're not going to learn it. And if we're not going to learn it, you're not going to build with it. Exactly. And then you have the imposter syndrome and you have the people that don't think they're good enough. And then, you know, when you don't think you're good enough and you, you aren't motivated, you wake up and you hate your job every day because, you know, you're not feeling that, you know, you deserve to be here. And so I feel like that comes with making great documentation and making people feel like, you know, they can do this. And in order to do that, you have to break it down in a way that it wasn't broken down years before. So we just have to do better to make sure that everyone feels included. So that's where my passion for diversity and inclusion in documentation comes in. Cause like, I know how that felt. And the beginning of my career, I did not feel like I belonged. And it was because I was reading this technical documentation that had these big words, or they had these code examples that weren't interactive or that I had to go Google to understand what they were saying, you know, and that that is really hard for someone that's, you know, in a boot camp or in their, you know, beginning stages of, you know, their computer science degree or anything like that or being self-taught. It's not easy. And I think that breaking it down and like being inclusive of everyone, all learning styles are learning, you know, being inclusive, I think that would actually help build long people that want to be around in a company like for years to come, you know, if you're working in a company and you can't understand your job via documentation, tutorials, guides, or whatever, if you don't understand or you, it's hard, like you're going to want to go somewhere else. You're going to want to find other opportunities. And if you want a great retention rate, like it starts there, it starts with your resources. It starts with your onboarding. It starts with your documentation. That's so beautifully said because I think just to echo your point, which is you need to be able to have an inclusive learning experience so that you can onboard different types of engineers from different types of backgrounds because they're going to have different types of ideas to build out or spread the gospel. And I think that when it comes to these different types of learning styles, I think that you said a really important point that I would love to highlight again. And this important point that you mentioned is that 
it's not that you have imposter syndrome or that you're not good at something. It's like if your instructor for surfing is actually a chef and they don't even know how to surf, but they're trying to teach you how to surf or they're just bad at teaching you how to surf. You're like, it's not you're bad at surfing. It's like you literally are learning how to surf from like a baker. Exactly. And like, I feel like a lot of these big companies need to do a better job at training the managers because like how can if your manager isn't good at managing or teaching or mentoring how do you expect to learn and so it it starts at the beginning like it starts at the onboarding process you have to make sure that they're being properly onboarded and you're pairing them with someone that has empathy that you know has that mentor mentality because it, that's where it starts yeah, I have to agree with that because I also think, you know, I'd love to hear your experience. A lot of my learnings as an engineer is actually from my peers, not necessarily even from my team. I mean, I have one of the most, like the best, most supporting team here at Systems. Like the engineers are so, so senior. They're so experienced and they're so patient with me. But I think at the same time, I actually learn a lot just from my peers, even just outside. I definitely feel the same way. Like I learned the most from people that I've never worked with, that I've networked with and actually found, you know, I found these people and they found me and that like now we're like the best of friends and like I can go to them when I'm having a rough day, you know, whether it's professional or personal and they'll guide me, they'll give me the feedback. I think networking and finding people that they can give you their unbiased opinion. I feel like that's really important. You know, I have a great team and like this is by far the best team that I've ever worked on in my professional career. They're super supportive. They're super understanding. They're super empathetic. And I think that my company does a great job at during the interview process to make sure that they're great cultural fits. So like, I think that that is a big part of it. Like you have to reach out to people that you feel comfortable, you feel comfortable being vulnerable with. And so having outside mentors or people that you can talk to, to help you advance in your career is really, really important. Yeah. And I also want to like give double snaps because I think that oftentimes people throw hella shade to like meta, Facebook, et cetera, from a cultural level. But I think hearing from you as an engineer who works on the team who says, hey, I have a really empathetic and supporting team. Like, I love that. So kudos for that. And I think just to kind of kind of like moving forward is that also when you're talking about the changing faces of teams or developers or being able to onboard these folks is also just kind of going back to like the changing nature of what is almost acceptable as either documentation or tutorial. So you talked about earlier, I'm kind of backtracking, like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, when you first started your career, 13 years ago, it's like you as a company has to produce engineering documentation that looks formal and appropriate. But we're human beings and we're just informal. Yeah, that is like the hardest part. Most of the time, like we have a guide on how our documentation, like how to write documentation for Meta. We have those and like you have to follow the guidelines. But we also have videos and we have like different learning things that aren't as formal. And so like we use 
not only the documentation, but like we're working on podcasts that are, you know, less robotic. You know, we're working on things to cater to these new doc engineers and engineers that are coming in that this new generation is different. So we're working on ways to catch their attention and to like engage them and like to keep them around and make them feel like they belong. So that's something that I feel all companies need to keep in mind and like you cannot teach everyone the same. Everyone doesn't learn the same. That's true. Could you imagine just putting every every child in the same math class for like exactly? Ridiculous. And that's why we have like the Montessori schools. I feel like I, I love them. I absolutely love them because like you can't sit a five year old down and actually put a book in front of their hand. Like you you can't do that. You have to cater to their learning style and, and you know physical touch and like things like that. Like every like just like children, even as adults. We have a different way of learning, whether it's video, whether it's reading. You have to cater to that. And that's really important to me. That's so beautifully said because the two things I'm like, two things. I'm like, not everyone's a Elon Musk and not everyone's a Ted Bundy. Exactly. So like everyone's a unique star. Yeah. <laughs> and most people watch like, I don't know. Do you like cooking? Do you cook? I don't know. Oh, yes, I do. So here's my question. How did you learn how to cook? I am completely, let me taste this. Let me put this together. And yeah, I learned how to cook that way. My mom and my dad did not teach me how to cook, but I also like Pinterest is like my guide too. So like not only do I learn from actually putting the things together and figuring out if it tastes good, but like I follow recipes. So I use two forms of learning techniques in order to get it. And most of the time I nail it. So like, oh my gosh, wait, that's a baddie right there. Because <laughs> what I'm hearing is that through this format, like the documentation you learn for cooking is literally recipes, which is, can be a step-by-step -step guide, a tutorial. And then it also Pinterest, which is badass because you literally look at a picture and you're like, this looks like a salad. I'm going to make, cause it's like, there's a chicken inside. So I'm going to put some chicken and the salad. Okay. That actually, I've never heard of anyone who learns how to cook by just looking at a picture that is literally so cool. Most of the times when you click the picture, it either has a video or it has like step-by-step -step guides. So yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, I think I learned just because out of necessity, cause quarantine, I was going to die if I did not feed myself. <laughs> so, so I was like, I put this food with this food and I put it in my mouth. <laughs> so no. I skipped the documentation part altogether. My whole Thanksgiving, I cooked everything and it was like a huge feast because it was my first time in California, like my first Thanksgiving in California. Like I cooked all the things and I was so excited. And yeah, most of the things I made, like I made the, a turkey for the first time in my life. And like, I was terrified and I wanted to do it like a whole different way. And like, so I looked on Pinterest and like, I did the taste test of things and I made my own jerk sauce and I put it on the grill and it was just like everyone, I got so many compliments on it. So I'm very proud oh, of that part. Oh, <laughs> she's brave. I haven't even tasted your turkey, but I would compliment you. I mean, just the narrative yeah. that you shared. I was like, I am sure that is delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's really brave that you're able to like experiment towards something that you've never done before. That's really, I think that's really badass, especially making a Thanksgiving, your first turkey and your launch date, your MV, okay, that's your turkey. And your launch date was like, it's going to be Thanksgiving. That exactly. is like, 
what is it called? You have the Facebook F8, right? It's like, here is my product. I've never released it before, but I'm showcasing an F8. Yeah. And I think think that that's important for newbies. Like, I feel like they need to taste test things and figure out what works for them and what they like. And if it tastes good, go with that. So like that is really like important for them to do. I am just brushing my brow like a sassy girl that I am because (laughs) I I agree with you. Oftentimes I'll see builds and I will follow the tutorial, make the builds. And I'm just like, "Mm -mm, this needs more butter. Like I don't want to build this this way. I'm going to build it my way. I'm going to put some pizzazz in it and we're just going to slightly alter or improve the build that we're going. And I think as you're like going towards this uncharted territory, like when you tackled the turkey for Thanksgiving, when we look about the uncharted territory that meta is going, may it be the metaverse. There's also the VR aspect that, that (laughs) I was like, what's his name? Okay, Mark, you know, whatever he's experimenting with, what would documentation look like in like future technology as well? Like, I don't know if we want to talk about the metaverse. I don't know. Like, what does documentation look like in the technology of in tomorrow. The right. Yeah. From your own imagination, I guess. Honestly, I don't know. We don't know that yet. But if I had to like guess, if I was in those shoes, like, so, like put it like that, like I'm not going to assume what he's going to do. But like me personally, like it would be someone coming into the metaverse and actually having a one-on-one chat and someone like walking it through. It would be like a face-to-face type of thing. And it it would just be different. It would be hands-on, but not hands-on. You get what I'm saying? It would be like going into the metaverse and like seeing it that way. And then like if they pulled up the documentation, it would like, it just would be so like badass and like cool. Like I don't even know how to explain it, but like I don't think that we've had this conversation yet, but like, I'm excited for it because like, I'm just excited that I'm here now. I'm here now. So I get to see the transition. You know, I get to be a part of the transition and I am like super duper sci-fi nerd. And so like, I am super duper excited to be a part of this chain at this time. So that's so well said. I mean, as as you described, (laughs) as you described this, my jaw was just literally a jar. And I was just like, wait a minute. Because I think that when you're talking about documentation, especially let's say in the metaverse, you know, it could be meta related, not meta related, just really in the, in the future, you're thinking it's actually going to be one-on-one or a very tailored experience. Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, how is that going to scale? Right. I mean, this is just one person's perspective. Like, how is that going to scale? But I think to your point is that education and learning is so tailored that the one-on-one experience is actually not that atypical because if you look at it today, Amazon, Amazon actually has like Amazon community centers. I'm forgetting what they're called. They're like AWS, AWS loft is what they're called. And so they have them in SF and New York and you can walk in and it's like a air quotes free co-working space but what do they have at the air quotes free co-working space is that they have all of the AWS engineers on site. So if you have any questions, you just walk up to them and be like, hello, sir or madam. I like help with this. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking like, well, can't you just like in my head, I'm like, can't you just Google this? Like, why is there someone on staff 
But like, let's be real. I could just read some documentation at my bank, but I still want to call them. I'm like, can you reverse this? Yeah. So like you can read documentation, but sometimes you can read something or even watch a tutorial and still not understand. And having that one-on-one, them breaking it down, them explaining it in a different way can help you grasp something and have that aha moment. So a lot of people don't have the aha moment from just reading something and looking at something. It takes them, one, to talk to someone and also build. So you have to go about it a couple of different ways in order to grasp it. So like I think having that one-on-one after reading something is, is important. Yeah, I really get that. I think that having that tailored approach is really important. And what you just described actually reminds me of I don't know if you've ever heard of the legend, the Clippy. There's like this little oh, yeah. like paper clip. Clippy. Yeah. Oh Girl, my gosh. Clippy. Mm, yeah. We should be that for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. but, but Clippy kind of just reminds me of that like tailored approach. It's like, hello, I am exactly. here. Do you have any questions? And I think why that's important or sorry, not important, but as we are both brainstorming through this, like when I think about the metaverse, Maybe it's a one-on-one experience. Maybe it's just like legit, just Clippy popping up be like, I'm back, bitches. Like, I'm here. Like, what do you need in this metaverse, right? And you're like, Clippy, like, show because I think that like one of the things that we're really focused on at all systems is progressing AI-assisted development. And so that AI-assisted development makes it look like kind of like grammarly or autofill. It's like, you don't have to type every single word of the sentence. The AI-assisted programming is like, hey, this looks like the line of code that you're building, or this looks like this is the intention of what you're building. Might we suggest this in the logic flow? So I don't know. I don't know what building or documentation in the future looks like, but. Yeah. So we have like, it's not as awesome as Clippy, but we have something similar where we have upvotes and downvotes. And so When someone downvotes, we can usually go to that person and ask them, you know, what's the issue and actually help them that way. Or they can write something in a group and get, you know, clarification that way. And just not only from doc engineers, but fellow software engineers that get it. And so it's super supportive Everyone has their own thing that they're working on, but the fact that you can have, you can post a question or, you know, downvote someone and someone gets back to you like that, I think that's our way. That's our Clippy. (laughs) I, I, I love that. I love that. And I think that that's a really wonderful way to just highlight how you guys at Meta really explore that. And so I think with that, I'm going to give you a thumbs up and I'm gonna put a little bookmark in this. I think like Overall, thank you so much for walking us through the journey of your journey into documentation and then what it looks like at a scale like Meta. So with that, I I really love the passion that you do for those who want to get into engineering. What is the best way for that audience to reach you? The best way would be through social media. So it would be my Twitter at Brie, B-R-I-I underscore T-O-E underscore knee k-n-e-e and that is actually my tag for all my social media platforms so like reach out to me 
via Instagram, reach out to me via Twitter, TikTok. Ooh. <laughs> I would stay away from my TikTok though. I don't know. Hold on. I don't know Ooh. if you want to see my bad dancing. Oh. <laughs> But also LinkedIn too. So like you could definitely find me on LinkedIn and like my inbox and DMs are always open and I'm always eager to help or clarify or anything. I'm always open because like that's a passion of mine. I love helping people. I love what I do and I love being in a position that I am to, to help people. So like, yeah, always feel free to reach out to me. What beautiful guidance. And I think with that, Brittany Ball, thank you so much. Documentation engineer at Meta and someone who absolutely loves helping transition the next generation of developers. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. This is now ending season three, and I'm really excited to be introducing season four to you guys. This is going to be coming out in 2022. There's going to be some big changes. And I think we're really going to tackle the podcast from a different angle, from different angles. So I really just appreciate everyone's support so far. And my, I guess my one ask is do share this. I, as you can imagine, you know, with YouTube videos, there's these like built in algorithms where you can discover more videos with podcasts. That's not usually how that works. There's no built in algorithm that helps you recommend another episode. So really recommendation is you finding this information helpful or interesting. And then you're just going to hit up your friend and say like, Hey, have you thought about this? Or Slack your colleague and say, Hey, you should probably listen to this because this is what they're doing at Netflix or this is what they're doing at Meta, so on and so forth. And I think that this paying it forward is just another thing I really want to highlight is uh, feel free to join as a developer, like our OutSystems community. Uh, we have a whole developer community. It's about 420K plus developers where we have a whole forum. People are building together. People are sharing their own integrations. If you need any assistance, we have a really quick turnaround time in regards to how we respond and just really help out. And yeah, we just, we have a developer, what is it called, conference? Yeah, we have a developer conference every year. So I, I would really love for you all to get involved and find me there. Feel free to ask any questions, come and join our conferences, our meetups, our, but again, we've got an online community, alsystems.com forward slash community. Feel free to play along and I am so excited to be building with you. Let's go. Let's go.